Ooh, there you are. I always love coming onto the podcast and hearing that you're on your back porch and hearing the birds and the wind chimes and stuff. <laughs> so I didn't quite realize that um, as I was sitting here swinging on the porch last week that there was this incessant creaking noise that was getting picked up in the pod <laughs> until it was way too late. And so now I'm self-conscious and I'm still swinging because I just I just have to be doing something and I can't sit completely still. Right, and right. So, but I'm making sure that I'm not swinging to the point of creaking the swing. Okay. So, or yeah. you could just spray it down with WD-40. Well, yeah. I mean, there's that. Yeah, I mean. Maybe next know, time. Whatever. <laughs> so, you didn't get your ink? No, did not. No, that's um, too bad. Well, the yeah. little butterfly on your ankle will have to wait. <laughs> At least a couple weeks. <sighs> Yeah, so so I gave you a hard time, but it's um, I find that's a good conversation starter. Whenever you see somebody that does have a tattoo, just to ask right. them what it means. Oh yeah, because people like to talk about their ink. So, right. like when because most people get them for very specific and very meaningful to them reasons. So yeah, yeah. every now and then somebody will just get something because I just thought it was cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or or I suspect sometimes they'll get something because they think it's cool and then they try to assign some meaning to it. So I, right. I think that's what my brother-in-law's done. He's got a full sleeve and there's like dragons and stuff on there. And he tries oh. to get into some sort of significance. And I was like, dude, you just wanted a dragon. Like, it's fine. <laughs> just yeah. just okay say. You just want a dragon tattoo. Just come out and say, I wanted a dragon tattoo. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, what? what what 15-year-old doesn't want dragons or something? I mean, it's a exactly. lot. You got it when you're in your 30s. But hey, yeah, it's not for me to judge. But. Right. I mean, which, you know, for for Jenna's um, comment that she texted to me through you, um, this is one of the reasons why I waited until I'm 35 to get a first tattoo is because I wanted to make sure whatever it was was going to be something that was meaningful and not just, hey, I'm a 22-year-old punk kid. Let me go get a, my college's logo on my <laughs> body somewhere, you know? Hey, um, now, Gus on your thigh or Gus on your calf or something would be pretty sweet. <laughs> like, let's... <laughs> I mean, because if I was going to do it, I'd go like full bicep that was never defined enough to warrant a tattoo, <laughs> you know, like on the top of my shoulder or something like full on the strutting Gus. So then in like 20 years, it looks like Gus is about 60 years old and 100 pounds overweight. Yeah. Exactly. It looks like uh, Gus is like Big Bird's like homeless, uh, jobless friend, you know. Oh, poor Gus. We couldn't do that to him. <laughs> no, he deserved better. He <laughs> does. <laughs> so i actually remember the story today because it centers around me all right yeah so um for for context you know i transferred into southern so i was behind a little bit so i took summer classes and stuff like that i still got okay. to graduate on time but i had to do my internship and so i was going down to florida the university of florida to do a summer internship but I was having some hard time. I was having a hard time finding a place to live during the internship. Right. Like I was having to trying to find this place to sublease or something like that. It just wasn't going well. And I think I had maybe two or three weeks before I was supposed to move. Like I, I packed up from graduation and went to my internship. Um, right. And so we're sitting in Landrome talking about. Well, I was probably just griping and moaning and complaining about not finding a place. And somehow the conversation got started up that, well, you should just live in your car. And 
I at the time was driving a little red Honda Civic and uh, was dating <laughs> dating Jenna, and uh, she was very concerned about my my future living situation, as I recall. And so I just looked at her and said, "You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go park in Walmart, and my address is going to be Red Civic, well lit parking lot." And then you <laughs> chimed in and said, "With lots of traffic." And I was like, "Yeah, that'd probably be better." With... <laughs> you don't you don't want the abandoned parking lot at night? <laughs> and that's right. And the point is. I didn't wind up living in my car in a parking lot. I did wind up living with like the biggest druggie that I've ever met in my life. Nice. Have I ever told you about my, my Florida roommate? No, I actually have always just assumed that for that summer you lived in your red Honda. Oh, I guess it works better that way. Though, uh, yeah, like I, I, <laughs> though, I thought you had like a up and coming, up and coming like Disney, you know, movie <laughs> where like, you know, based on real out of your, out of the, Exactly. Like you lived out of your car for a summer in a red Honda Civic and look at you now kind of thing. Well, look at me now. I mean, I mean, it's not a red Honda Civic, but it's not like a rags to riches story. <laughs> but yeah, so like the biggest druggie that I've ever met in my life, he, um, I walked in, I don't, I don't think I saw him for the first couple of days. I think he'd gone home or something, but he came back and his dad was some kind of naval officer. I forget exactly what he did. And I think they lived up in Jacksonville or something like that. So I'm down in Gainesville, Florida. It's about two hours from Jacksonville. And um, he comes back and we get to talking with him and don't think much about it. He doesn't bring up a lot. He works as a waiter somewhere. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I don't even remember what he said. And I went to work one day that week and I came home and he's sitting in the living room. Like it's a house and I've got, I've got a room in the house. He's sitting in the living room with this huge bong and i was like wait what I, I don't i don't know i don't even remember how it came up but he volunteered to me he's like yeah when i was home my dad gave me ten thousand dollars so i bought this and i was like wow. wait 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 how much does that cost and he's like oh well i mean you know you can get them for cheap but i wanted a really good one and i was like okay answer my question <laughs> how much did that cost and he's like oh this one costs like six thousand dollars what like, what i didn't know they made six thousand dollar bongs i mean there's a lot i don't know about drugs and bongs and stuff like that yeah. but like yeah. now i know they make six thousand dollar bongs and i lived with somebody who bought one <laughs> so very nice that was that was not the way that i thought my summer was gonna go um it wasn't the first right. time i had lived with druggies my my first roommates, <laughs> my first roommates at Southern, enjoyed the marijuana, um, okay. and then I was an RA, and about half my floor got kicked out of school for the marijuana. Um, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe it was just the theme of college. It might have been. It's, I haven't been around. So, I haven't been around it since, but I do know what it smells like. When I'm walking down the street, I'll be right. like, "Oh, I know that." So let's back up a little bit. So. I was also an RA at college, in, at the same college, and I we had a, a, a day during one of our trainings where uh, Statesboro PD brought had this whole talk with us about what to do if you suspect somebody is under the influence of alcohol, under the influence of drugs, call the ambulance, all this kind of stuff. And then they were like, hey, who does not know what marijuana being smoked smells like? And I'm like, I'm, you know, from a very Southern Baptist background where... I don't know what drugs smell like. So, you know, like so much so that my grandfather would not let us 
have any alcohol when my brother graduated from boot camp uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, because like we can't have alcohol like it will you know ruin all of us kind of thing so I've never been around drugs even though one of my best friends in high school told me that I was either going to turn out to be an alcoholic or a druggie um, grant you know thankfully neither one of those are true yeah um, good job but um so Way to prove that you're PD at, exactly <laughs> Um, so the Statesboro PD says, Hey, if no, if you want to know what, uh, marijuana smells like, stick around after our presentation, we're going to light some up and you can see what it smells like just for informational purposes. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be that white like, nerd that like doesn't, I'm going to raise my hand, like I don't know what it smells like, but like, so I had struck up a conversation with somebody at our training in this like small auditorium on campus and like at the end of the train trying to like stick around long enough for them to light it up so i know what it smells like (laughs) and so like they light it up and like as they're lighting it i'm like walking past pretty slowly and i'm like sniffing everybody's like man that's some strong stuff like that's some great stuff and i'm like i don't smell anything (laughs) and i walk out and like the people outside were like man that was awesome wish i could stick around i was like y'all actually smell that and they're like yeah don't you i'm like i don't smell a thing not like nothing and i that was one of the first times i realized that my sense of smell is absolutely abhorrent um and it has become a thing in in our and you know my angel's marriage where like there are certain things i just don't smell interesting um yeah um like i can i do smell certain you know strong odors but i don't but there are some odors i just do not smell so that was one thing that relates to that but the other thing is i'll never forget when you graduated, uh, like the day you graduated, um, we were living together and I walked back into the dorm on like that day. Cause I had to stick around for a little while after graduation to do the RA thing. And I walk in and I see one of my bosses who is like the area coordinator, um, for, um, you know, the dorms that we, that we live in. Uh, and her name was Vicki Shaw. And, you know, I, in my mind, just because you're all both named Shaw would not, y'all wouldn't be related. <laughs> so I walk in and she's standing there and I'm like, whoa, hey, Vicky, how are you? You thought like, you were in trouble. In dorm? <laughs> like, whatever it is you think I did, I did not do, I promise. And she's like, no, I'm here for Benji. And I'm like, well, what did Benji do? Like, whatever it is, I did he's, do it. Like, I'll take the He's you know, supposed to be graduating. Exactly. <laughs> and she's like, no, like, we're related. And I'm like, whoa. Like, it blew my mind. Like, you know, I, that completely put me off guard because in my mind, people don't have families, <laughs> you know, like, or like people have families, but it's not like extended. Like you have a mom and dad, maybe some brothers and sisters, but you don't have like aunts and uncles and all that kind of crazy. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, yep. Yep. So when she, when, when Vicky was there, it was like blew me, like blew my mind. Like not only do you have a family, but I've know your family because we've worked together for like four years. Yep. Yep. Vicky to you, Aunt Vic Vic to me. Um, so there we go. There you go. <laughs> see, <laughs> but that was, uh, one of the, that was one of the last memories. Uh, cause that cause like you said, you graduated that summer. I did. Um, I did. My, I think one of the reasons why we were talking about your address is because I was going to work as a counselor at summer camp and I was trying to get people's addresses so I could write them letters because we had some dumb, um, like mail thing where you could, if you got letters in the mail, then you could, um, you got points and whoever got the most points would got, get like a mailbox or something. And so I was trying to get people's addresses to try to get letters throughout the semester. And you're like, dude, I don't have an address. And like, that's when, yeah, that's yeah, part yeah. of where the whole thing came from. I when think. when you were going to your cult camp. 
Yes, yeah, Michael Camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this needs some context. <laughs> so Anthony worked at this special camp where people would come, go away and not have much contact with the outside world and come back with a different name that they only knew the meaning to and they could only say to one another. And so we call it cult camp. Okay. Okay. So the truth of the matter That's the is... That's the truth of the matter. For, the... Uh... <laughs> you give your cult version. The truth of the matter is... It, uh, I worked for the Georgia Baptist Men's Ministry Camp in Forsyth, not to be confused with Forsyth. Um, it's in Forsyth, Georgia, right outside of Macon. It's called Camp Kaleo. And I got involved with that because a couple of the guys at Georgia Southern, and by a couple, I mean like four or five, um, were all working there. And they indoctrinated me over a couple of, over like a year. And my sophomore year, uh, um, summer of my sophomore year, I went and worked there and then worked for three straight years. Um, and yes, we did get names. Uh, they, we got renamed. Our, we called it our God-given name. Mine was Fuji, Fuji Kaleo. Um, and yeah, but we had a, a contest every year about, you know, getting mail where certain things like letters caught were a point. Um, you know, you got certain points for having a cake sent to you or if the thing was not in a in an envelope you got points or whatever so i try to get as many people i knew to give as many as much mail to me as possible and i never came close to wearing the thing because somebody inevitably like found a loophole in the system and cheated and had their mom like send like a bag of peppermint and somehow that counted as like a thousand points or something <laughs> you worked at the scientology of summer camps <laughs> <laughs> dude Scientology, really? <laughs> I mean, that's my memory. Um, <laughs> I'm going to let that one go. I'm going to let that one go because th- this one, this is going way too many different routes right now. <laughs> uh, so the point of the Red Civic conversation is young adulthood sucks. <laughs> yes. You get out of college and, well, I don't know, I was pretty idealistic in college. I think a lot of people were idealistic in college. And I can't remember how many times I said about somebody out in the real world, if they would just, and then fill in the blank, because I was smart and I knew what I was doing and I was going to be different. And I think it took me three months after college, not having a job to realize, no, this just sucks. And sometimes people, sometimes people <laughs> are just doing the best they can. <laughs> it's, um, yeah. Of course, we graduated like yeah. right around the Great Recession. So, yay for us! Historically bad timing. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember. I wasn't very good at most of my first jobs. So, so I worked like as a contract cool. personal trainer, but I was a bad salesman. And then I got a job where I right. was actually a salaried trainer, and that was nice. But you didn't make a whole lot. And then. I got it. And then for some reason I decided, no, I've learned a lot. I'm going to go try sales again. And that was a bad call. And (laughs) And weren't you selling fitness equipment? equipment? Yep. Yep. That part was fun. Um, But it was like the nice home stuff. So like the brands that are in the gyms selling for home. So like the cheapest treadmill we had was about $1,200. And people, people would come in and be like, well, why, why should I buy this one? Like, well, it's, you know, it's better better quality it'll last longer it's more sturdy but well i could i could just go buy six of the one at sears yeah 
guess you could. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess you could if you really wanted to. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why you would, but you could. Um, so you know, yeah, that was yeah. my sales pitch. Um, right. Wonder why I didn't right. do better at that, and 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 then <laughs> and then I lost that job and worked at a. Um, I worked in a call center for a few months. That was awful. And uh, then we moved to New Orleans. And I was like, nope, we're going back to school. Right. And, and so you went to... The seminary, uh, yeah. Seminary. I did a lot of stuff in seminary. And then I got an internship where I... Um, my my pre-tax income was $1,000 a month. Uh, uh yeah plus nice. you know so that was that was good um well i mean you throw the housing in there and that does add a little bit yeah of value, i mean but... we say the housing it was like a 500 square foot apartment in the bcm <laughs> um you know it was it was a place to live and we appreciated it and we made it we made it homely but homely right um yeah and then yeah. it was I did a little better for the next year before I finally got my, my big boy job at, um, what was I? 31. Yeah. I'm 36 now. 31. When I finally, when I finally got my, oh, wow. my big boy job. Wow. And that your big boy job is, uh, well, it depends on the day, but the, the job <laughs> title from the people who pay me is collegiate ministry mm-hmm. specialist which makes me sound really smart. Oh. But mostly I just try to figure stuff out day to day. Gotcha, gotcha. And you are a world-renowned uh, expert on millennials well, and millennial affairs. world-renowned. I mean, maybe regionally. <laughs> Look, there are people in the world that you are renowned to them, so you're world-renowned. That, that list right? probably starts with you and maybe ends with my parents. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll include Jenna in that. Um, <laughs> yeah, some well, days, some right? days she's more impressed with me than others. <laughs> some, some days she just shakes her head at me, and, and um, that's that. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, my uh, I graduated in two thousand eight with a general studies degree uh, with concentrations in education and middle grade education and a minor Ooh. in history. Um, yeah, I was going to be a teacher and then no child left behind and the state of Georgia has declared that to be a teacher okay. in the state of Georgia, you must have a, um, teaching certificate mm-hmm, slash mm-hmm. license, uh, to get, to get one of those, you have to have an education degree from an accredited university. So it's kind of a catch 22 that if you want to be a teacher, you've got to go yep, to yep. teaching school which I agree with. I don't want somebody that didn't go to college necessarily to be teaching my kids anything. Um, but I didn't realize that to get the teaching certificate, you had to have an, an, an explicitly stated education degree. Um, so I tried at a couple of places to get an education job, um, but they were not hiring anybody that was not specifically education. So my first job out of college was working at Walmart and Stagebro. Um, I worked there, I think I started in like July or August, which if you, Stagebro Walmart, I found out 
Uh, the second year I was there, I was there for like a year and a half. Um, the second Black Friday, we were the busiest Walmart or did the most sales of any Walmart in our region. And our region had the highest sales Whoa. in the nation. For serious? So if you, if, yeah. So in my head, the way that works out is our store was the busiest store in the nation. So hang on a second. Hang on a second. Like, because the, yeah. Statesboro is almost the definition of the middle of nowhere. Um, I, I remember almost, yeah. I remember the drive vividly. You know, you, you get off I-75 in Macon. Yeah. It's 116 miles to the exit. And then it's another 10 miles from there. And the only thing between yeah. Macon and Statesboro is Dublin, which was exit 51. So it's not even halfway <laughs> through. And, and Anthony, it has been... 12 years since I made this drive. So I, I remember it yeah. very vividly. Where are all these people coming yeah. from? Um, from all of the little, like, Statesboro is a smaller town as it is, but there are other little smaller towns around. Um, for instance, I don't know that Metter, which is the next, the next town over, I don't think Metter had mm -hmm, a Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, so got, things were not better there. Like, um, Liars. Right. Um, as exactly, uh, you know, Brooklyn is considered Bullet County, but it's not considered Statesboro. Some people come from uh, Brooklyn, which they claim to be the peanut capital of the world, but my hometown, Sylvester, is the actual peanut capital of the world. Um, and we can argue that later. <laughs> no, um, I don't think we will, but yeah, so we just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could, I don't think you want to, but um, but yeah, but yeah, like we were told on like the week, like one of our. Um, awesome staff meetings that we were the busiest in our region and our region was the, the highest grossing or highest sales in the nation. And we were all like, wow, that's awesome. And so do we get a bonus? Yeah. <laughs> that was my first job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, you know, not at Walmart. Um, um, but so I worked there for a year and a half. I went from the back room receiving. So we got all the crap off of the trucks Um and I lost like 50 pounds on the Walmart plan where you make Walmart salary or, you know, Walmart pay. And then you, which means you don't get to eat very much. And then you work your mm -hmm. rear end off literally. And I dropped like 50 pounds in like six months. Um, went from there to, um, let's see, I think I worked part-time at a, I think I delivered, delivered, auto parts for a Napa Napa auto parts mm -hmm. store in Richmond Hill for like six months while I found another job and I worked uh, construction um, I was an installer with, with a construction company for a while and then decided I wanted to be a little bit more specialized then I got into the HVAC world which my grandfather was a um, air conditioning service man he owned his own business so I had all these dreams of being just like my granddad and um, I realized that when you're when you're one of one of like three or four HVAC guys in a town is one thing. But when you are living in a town that has like four pages, you know, the yellow pages, which, you know, we talk <laughs> about how nostalgic that is. But like when you live in a town that if you search for HVAC company, the Google uh, results cover, you know, seven or eight pages, then, you know, it's a little, a little harder, a little, little more difficult. Um, yeah, a little bit. So I became an installer with an HVAC company, and then that turned into uh, I went I substitute taught for a little while while I found another job as a maintenance tech, and then that turned into working for another company, and then you know a couple other companies all in the HVAC world, 
And now I have landed my big boy job um, being an inside sales assistant for a company that, does, that sells HVAC equipment. And so you're the salesman. And I, I am. Well, I'm the sales assistant. I don't have to do a whole lot of selling. People come. See, the great thing about my job is that people come to me and say, I want to buy this. And there is no haggling. There is no, are you sure about that? It's nice. Yes, sir, how many? Um, and sometimes what color, because some things come in different colors. But usually it's, I need to buy five of these. And it's like, do you want those next week or in three weeks? And that's kind of the the crux of the job. And, you know, we do some other stuff, but that's my inside big boy wearing uh wearing khakis and a polo every day job is that. Yeah, khakis and a polo every day. That's 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 the yeah. dream, right? <laughs> it, it sure is. it is. I, I have a nice nice big comfy chair I get to sit in that rolls around and I've got three three monitors hooked up to my computer. Ooh, now that's status. My own own little three monitors. Man. I'm telling you. I th- I started out with two. Then after we worked, from, we worked from home for two and a half months, and I had an extra one laying around the house. And I hooked it up and like world was changed. Yeah. Go back, so I made them give me <laughs> yeah. one that worked. Yep, it did. It did. Um, but yeah, so I started out. You know what? Two thousand eight was when I graduated college, which was twelve years ago. I was twenty three, and now I'm thirty. I got my big boy job when I was yeah. We. So. It's one of the things you mentioned. World renowned millennial expert. So every now and then I get the opportunity to go talk to churches or groups about millennials. And that's one of the things I try to emphasize to them was, is, hey, we, I don't know that it's possible to quantify how difficult it was to graduate from college between 2006 and 2012. I, it's right. just the world changed so much in that time period. And all the stuff that we have been told about what going to college meant pretty much my entire life yeah. um, just wasn't true when I got to the back end of it. Um, we didn't, like, uh, uh, my dad told me from, I think we mentioned this already from an early age that I was either getting a job, going to the army or going to college. And the first two weren't really options for me when I was little. So it was like, you're going to college and this is, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to get a good job and you're going to not have to do all the stuff that I've done. And I, I, well, he's right about the last part. I haven't done all the stuff that he's done. Um, But the concept of student loan debt is not in my head when, when Mm -hmm. I made those commitments Uh, because, because I had a scholarship (laughs) and the scholarship means that I don't have to pay that much. Right. Wrong. Um, Yeah. Right. We waited six years to have a kid after we got married and I'm going to be paying my student loans until she's in fifth grade. Um, so, and I'm not even, well, I'm not even using it. I got a master's degree off of the back of it, but, um, I'm not in that field. I haven't been in that yeah. field in over a decade. So it's, it's crazy. The, right. And, and it's nothing like what you thought. And I think the biggest thing for me was I just missed people. Like you're, you're around people all the time yeah. in college and you get out into the real world. And I was fortunate enough that in that first place, even though I didn't have a great job, um, I moved back to my hometown and I had several friends. I'd started school at a school in that town and I had several friends who had graduated and had stuck around. So I had, I was right. unique in the sense that I graduated from college and I just went and had a friend group that was built in. I didn't have to necessarily start from scratch. Right. Um, 
I moved a little after that and then had to start from scratch and that sucked. Um, just mm-hmm. building those relationships yeah. is really difficult. And then we moved around so much. And then you have kids. And when you have kids, it's next to impossible. Like it's just, it's so hard to start relationships because there's right. so much stuff going on. Like you're always bouncing around to kids stuff or um, I have, I have a job mm-hmm. where sometimes I have things going on at night and that's not always predictable. And so it's, yeah, the, just the people is, is the thing that, that made college and all those fun connections. Like you didn't realize that my aunt was your boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this the other day that like, you know, people talk about how high school or college is just like high school. It's just, I've even said this, the college is just like high school, but you get to choose your own schedule and you can miss stuff and it's not the end of the world. And I started thinking that like when you're in high school, most people in high school, they have the same set of people through their whole kindergarten through 12. Now I say that knowing that there are people that are military or had to move or whatever that don't get that opportunity. But for the most part, a lot of us have the same set of friends from kindergarten through 12th grade. Um, and then I got to, high, got to college and I went to college that's three and a half hours away from my hometown. Um, you know, I did go with, there were three other people that came, that came to Georgia Southern, uh, that I graduated with, but we all lived in different dorms and I barely saw any of them, um, because I got involved. And this is something I tell people that graduate from our church now is that like, when you get to college, yeah. whatever it is, get involved, what, however, however it is in whatever capacity that looks like for you, get involved, whether it's, you know, fraternity, sorority, whether it's BSU, Wesley, Campus Crusaders, whatever the thing might be, get involved somehow. Otherwise, you're going to be that guy that's like sitting at home, you know, that that is sit, sitting at home playing Call of Duty till one o'clock in the morning, which there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but you try to give yourself some options. And I think that was something that, that really benefited me is that I got involved with BSU. Yeah from the very get-go. Um, um, I actually remember the first time I ever met Jimmy uh, Sanderson. He, uh, <laughs> we did a, the survival days uh, started on like the week, the weekend before class started. And I moved in like the first day you could. And so like, we went to a local church to um, do like they had, they invited the BSU to their church and we did like a, a supper afterward. And I was, I was very nervous about this because I knew none of my friends were going to be there. And uh, so I walked over to the BSU because I lived, I lived like almost literally across the street from the BSU. I walk up to the back where they were, where they were to meet and there's Jimmy Sanderson and Brad Carr standing there. And <laughs> like the height difference yeah, that's... was like two feet in those two guys. And it was like, it, it caught me off guard like none other, but like they both walked up and they're like, hey man, how's it going? Nice to meet you. And you know, I'm obviously a freshman, and they're obviously not. And, you know, that's one of the things I'll never forget is that, like, I got welcomed in with open arms. And then, like you're saying, like, the the relationships that, that were developed, the friendships and everything, it's like a, like a revolving door. Because in college, it doesn't matter if the person that you're talking to, for the most part, is a senior or sophomore or whatever. They're, you're all there for the same reason, you know. Where, like in high school, it's a lot different because I hardly ever knew anybody that wasn't in my class. Um, but then get to college, and there's people that are, you know, you get to know real well, and they graduate that year. There's people that you get to know real well, and they, they don't graduate until after you, kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so the relationship part of being a young adult is very, 
it, it's trying sometimes. And then, like you said, you get out of college and you have a family and you're trying to develop those relationships. And there's just, you know, I, I kind of equate it to sometimes like being the new kid in school and you have to walk up to somebody and just yes. like, at some point, will you be my friend? And like, I'm so not good at that. Um, like, there's a couple of guys that I hang out with sometimes and we watch soccer together and like soccer and UFC fights. And um, the only reason I know, know him is he, his wife and my wife were in this group called Mops together. And somehow we both found out that we were Atlanta United fans. And I think it might've been through Facebook or something. And he got in touch with me and we started watching, like he invited me to like uh, um, Atlanta United games to watch at his house. And that kind of, we developed a friendship through that. And it's like, there's no way that me and him would ever have gotten together if it wasn't through other connections and stuff. And I keep telling him like over and over again, we need to hang out. I'll hang out with you at some point. And he's like, man, it's okay. I'm like, no, like, I'm the worst friend ever. <laughs> like I am horrible at this whole friendship thing. And, you know, I do the same thing. I did the same thing with you when I texted you or called you when we started getting the idea for this podcast. Like I am, I realize I am like the worst. No, no, I'm, I'm not much better, have. which is why we wind up um, having to start a podcast but... so we can talk to friends. <laughs> yeah, I've talked to, talk to you more in the last so, few weeks than the so last like this, three this is modern adult combined. friendship we don't have time for each other so we're going to do something that we're going to call productive <laughs> yeah there you go um, but yeah so it's you know I think that's one of the more trying things about about being a young adult and I, I consider myself well like we, we are we are firmly middle aged now I'm afraid I actually am I know. I know. Oh, don't say that. But that's like got to be one of the toughest things is, you know, finding those people that you can get in with and you can just be with, you know. That was the, to me, that was the best part of being at college is there was always yep. people that you could just be around and it was okay. It, it didn't matter if we were discussing life's problems or if we were just watching some stupid TV show like Family Guy together and laughing hysterically about that like it didn't matter or hanging around in in a cafeteria making jokes that we'll do a podcast about 20 years later (laughs) exactly well i'm rounded up 20 years later good lord (laughs) that's all right 16 uh 15 15 15 years later we're old middle age i told you we we are middle-aged I guess that's what my. Well, I guess so. Is, right? uh, you know, it's either that or a sports car. So, <laughs> <laughs> that or a motorcycle. I think the tattoo is a little bit safer. <laughs> that works. <laughs> oh, well, cool, man. Yeah. I got a little yeah. girl who's sitting here needing my attention for something. So, I'm gonna go take care of the little girl. Can you say hi, little girl? Right. No, we're not gonna say hi. Have fun. All right. Well, that's all right. Get the tattoo. <laughs> do what you got to do. Eventually. All right. Well, Eventually. I will talk to you Eventually. later. See ya.